You're listening to State of the Arts. We cover the art scene in St. Augustine, the nation's oldest city. From the people and organizations that create the art to the venues that display it, we cover it all from artist to venue and everything in between. You're listening to State of the Arts. Art is not in the eye of the beholder. It may be a lot of places, but it is not in the eye of the beholder. That was local painter and author Kurt McGill. I'm John Bashera, and this is State of the Arts. In this episode, we're going to continue to explore what is art, what's its value, and who gets to decide. We'll hear more from Kurt later. Up first is Joe Marks, president of the St. Augustine Film Society and executive director of the Golden Way, films that make a difference. <laughs> what is art, Joe? What is art to you? What is art? It's a representation of human experiences in some abstract form. What does abstract form mean? It's, see here, I'm not a very good wordsmith, but it's showing something in real life in a way that's relatable by someone who is viewing whatever it is you're doing, whether it's a stage production or a painting or uh, a poem or a song or anything. It's just a representation for some emotional feeling that's driving you to produce this piece. If that's that, art? To me. The intent of what you're doing is to produce some reaction from the audience. It's to connect with the audience somehow. And I, I, can't, I can't explain it any better than that. Joe, I got a question for you about some of this stuff. I'm gonna read here right off of the bio. Together, they formed the St. Augustine Film Society in 2012 as a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is to screen intellectually stimulating foreign and independent films. And this is the quote, of high artistic value. And that's a term I'd like you to define for me. What, what constitutes high artistic value? Wow. You have some really tough questions. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> okay, so high, high artistic value. I don't know that I can explain it, but I know it if I see it. It's, it's okay, so you walk into the Louvre and you go to see the Mona Lisa and there's this tiny little painting and you're looking at it and you're going, huh? That's what all the fuss is about? I, 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 it's just really, really personal. However... Are we talking about an economic value or are we talking about an emotional, no, personal we're value? No, we're talking about an emotional value. Okay. An ec economic value is, is such an artificial construct based on some, quote, expert's opinion on what good art is. So... Films that we show at the Film Society typically are ones that, and here's my air quotes for those of you that can't see, that experts have honored with great praise in the media or Academy Awards or some other honor. So we have shown films like Parasite, which won Academy Award 
five Academy Awards, actually. Amelie, which was an Academy Award winner. We've shown other films that are generally regarded as having great artistic value. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, um, Ill Untouchables. Uh, and where, where, who, who considered them? Are we talking about the general public considered them to have the value? Is that what, where you're more coming from? Art, um, film critics, film reviewers, they're not necessarily the most economically successful films. We try to show films that are not ordinarily easily seen by the general public in Northeast Florida. I'm not going to show films that you can see at the Epic or the Regal. For the most part, it's not films that typically you can see in a movie theater or even streamed on Netflix a lot of times. You got high artistic value. Is there a, a medium and a low artistic <laughs> value as well? <laughs> uh, I, oh gosh. I guess there is low and medium artistic value. I mean, there, there's some films that are generally considered to be really dogs <laughs> that I would never consider uh, showing. Ishtar comes to mind. Waterworld. <laughs> Plan 9 from Planet B or something, something along those lines with flying pie plates as flying saucers. That's a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> That's my art. <laughs> so I tend not to show those, but, but my taste does run to the quirky. We've shown uh, films that are, that are a little bit older. I've shown This Old House, which stars Boris Karloff, Charles Lawton, Raymond Massey, it is, it is the beginning of that genre of spooky old houses that if you take a look at Young Frankenstein, all of those cliches and all of those jokes, take a look at this 1932 film. It's a, it's a great piece of entertainment. It may not be high art, but it's got the squeaky doors it's got the thunderstorm, the stranded people in the house. It's got a, a Boris Karloff's the butler who is really, really creepy. It's got the Maria Uspenskaya screaming nurse character. It's, it's a crazy film. And I don't know that it's high art, but it's hilarious. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank well, you thank very you. much for being here. And thank you. Really appreciate it. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. Folks, The Golden Way is partnering with Compassionate St. Augustine and Flagler College to screen the film The Reunited States from February 5th through the 9th with a panel discussion at Flagler on Zoom February 9th at 5.30. You can go to the Film Society's Facebook page for links to this event. Up next, author, painter, and our spotlight artist, Kurt McGill. Kurt, are you an artist? Oh, yes. Did I leave that part out? <laughs> okay. Um... I have a master's degree in painting from UC Berkeley. I'm a painter. I have work in the Museum of Modern Art. What makes something art? That's a good question. Uh, I actually made a few notes here, so I'll read. I could wing it, but I'll just do this because I thought, you know, I anticipated this obviously, but I have a little more, something a little more concise here. Okay, art, an expression of creative skill and imagination where a fleeting thought 
a vague feeling, a hazy atmosphere is discovered, caught, realized visually or in writing or in song, through a process of experimentation, through seeing, emotion, experiencing, chance encounters, random events, and most important, through critical thinking. So if you wanted to ask me that question, what makes me an artist? Of all of those things, I would probably say the most important one is critical thinking. Because it's the ability to evaluate the work yourself in the context of art. See, I mean, when you're making a painting, let's say, for example, you're not just in a vacuum, right? I mean, you're doing it within the context of the whole history of art. You're not just kind of constantly reinventing the wheel, you know? I mean, if you're out in the Congo, right, making an idol or something like that, I mean, you're not thinking about Picasso or Piero della Francesca or Montaigne, right? But if you're in America or Europe, wherever, there is a context that you would be working in. See, it only becomes meaningful if you do it in some kind of a framework. And there is a framework for everything, for medicine, right? I mean, there is a history of medicine that you work within. You work within this structure. And so that's, does that answer your question? I'm not sure. Well, you're not working in a vacuum. You see what I mean? But maybe people are working in a vacuum. And maybe that, maybe that brings us to where we are. <laughs> Flagler, you know about, of course, came here, the hotels, whatever. Now, what was his goal in building these big fancy hotels in St. Augustine? What do you think? He wanted rich people from New York to come down here and spend money, right? But these people are cultured. They're New Yorkers. Now, we're talking like late 1800s here, right? and they also needed art. So when Flagler built that building, the first one, the, where Flagler College is, that's a very like revolutionary building architecturally because it's done with reinforced concrete, which was very, very experimental at that time. And then, you know, the people he brought down to do the decoration, Tiffany. I mean, this was like, you know, the really high-end quality product that he was going to sell here. He also built a whole wing of studios adjacent there. And then he brought down artists, but I mean, famous artists, because, you know, they wanted to hang out with the artists and be artistic and so forth. Well, in other words, but that is wallpaper. It's decoration. It's not uh, Michelangelo. It's not Raphael. It's not Velasquez. It's not a work of art. Are they it, not decoration? No, that's art. That's art. But one is antithetical to the other. Okay. See, uh, a painting, an art object, is not wall decoration. Now, you can go to Walmart and buy a picture of Elvis Presley on black velvet or, you know, whatever you want, you know, and put it on your wall. That's wall decoration, you see? That is not art because what is lacking in that decorative art, decorative object, is the conceptual component. But when you go to art school, right, you don't just, they don't just go there and give you a brush and some paint and some turpentine and say, have at it, buddy, you know? 
you study. You study art history, you study aesthetics, you study the history of art. So you are coming out of a structure. And that's where you begin to develop your critical thinking. See, how, how do you have critical thinking if you don't know anything about art? You need to know something about art. What is art? You know, I mean, you, you, I mean, you could reduce it down to the lowest common denominator. You could say it's a painting, it's a movie, it's a picture, it's whatever. Why, Why would but it's, it's unique. It's exceptional. It's out of the mainstream of experience. Okay? It's thought-provoking. It's challenging. It takes you into worlds where you've never been. You know, what is it that makes... Uh, Roman Polanski's Chinatown, the movie, art. Because, you know, his, his creativity, the whole ambiance, the emotions, the story, whatever, you can take a, a journey into this LA of the 30s or 40s or whatever it was. But I guess the most important concept would be it's extraordinary. It's the opposite of ordinary. It's uh, exceptional, you see? So if it's ordinary, right. it can't be art. Is that correct? That is correct. See, I'm writing now. Oh. I just got a book contract. Is writing art? It is for me. Of course it's art. It's literary art. Music is art. Writing is art. Filmmaking is art. Those are arts. I mean, writing. Is culinary art? I forgot to tell you, I am a very good cook. <laughs> I'm not I'm kidding. I'm surprised you forgot to tell me not, I, I, I'm not kidding. Now, I just got a book contract with a, not self-published, published with an English publisher uh, with Pegasus Elliot McKenzie for one book, which I've already finished, which they're editing now, and two more books. What's the nature of the book? Crime fiction. Is that book art? Well, it's, it's literature. It's a book. It's art. It's... Uh, I don't know. Why is William Faulkner art? Why is Raymond Chandler art? That's I mean, it's, why is Shakespeare art? Because for the, the same reasons that I gave you, it's something that was discovered. There is a process. It exists within the context. It's exceptional. It's unique. It's thought-provoking. It provokes emotions. Is it it's fair passion. To say that all of those are subject to the person that is doing the viewing or the, the audience member? It's, it's the person who's reading the book is affected in all those different ways. There's, it's, you know, detective story, he's figuring out a puzzle, there's an intellectual dimension to it. There are people who are interacting, there are, you know, murders and assaults and things, there's passion, there's fear, there's all kinds of emotions. That's what makes it a work of art, is all of those things coming together. Okay, we good? I will just leave you with one thought. Sure. Art is not in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> it may be a lot of places, but it is not in the eye of the beholder. See, the thing about art... Painting, that seems a contradiction to what you've been saying. Uh, it's not. If the beholder looks at the Mona Lisa and has no idea, what is it? It's some lady, she's got a little kind of a funny kind of a grin. You see what I mean? But art, it's kind of in a way, it's like what you bring to the art, right? What you get out of the Mona Lisa is in a way, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, the Renaissance, all these other things. You never heard of any of that stuff then it becomes kind of a meaningless experience. So that's the thing. It's not in the eye of the beholder. It may be in the auction gallery, the critic, the gallery owner, the academic who's writing about, you know, like Jackson Pollock, some art criticism piece. That's where it is. It's not in the eye of the beholder. Who decides that it's art then? 
all those people, the critic, the academic, the collector that will pay $90 million for it. Those are the people that decide what's art and what's not art. Not some guy from Toledo, Ohio, who's coming here for the weekend. And that person from Toledo, Ohio is right. incapable of discerning what is and isn't art, is that correct? If he doesn't bring anything to it, you see, he knows nothing about art. See, it gets back to the context. Art exists in a context. And if you know nothing about art, you can't get much out of it. You see, it would be like- What about you, the cavemen in their hands? What did they know about art? They knew enough to make a cave painting. And again, See, the caveman probably knew more about art than the guy from Toledo, Ohio. Why? Well, because of the product, because he was interested, because he was creative, because he got some dirt and mixed it up with water and, you know, made a picture of a bison, because he discovered a kind of a form of iconography, which helped him spiritually, emotionally, helped him to go out and, like, kill saber-toothed tigers. Do you think that that was realized at the moment? No, it's a press again. It okay. was a process. Well, then, it was a process. Then perhaps the guy from Toledo is also going through a process. Maybe he's painting his hand on the inside of his garage. And who yeah, knows maybe, if somebody well, will yeah. see that. So. Maybe. Well, yeah, but see, you can kind of reduce it down kind of like a reductio ad absurdum. The guy from Toledo, <laughs> Ohio is not making cave paintings in his garage. <laughs> you see? I mean, you've reduced it down to that, and that's not, you well, know... You know, it was probably more like magic to them. You see what I mean? I mean, when picture some Byzantine guy painted a picture of Christ on the cross, it was not just literally Christ on the cross, he was crucified, whatever. It's art, it's gold lame, it's this, it's all this stuff going on. And it's highly emotionally charged, but it's, it's a religious object, you see? It carries all kinds of dimensions and refers to all kinds of other things like the sign of the cross. It constantly renews its references. There are many, many associations you can have with the cross. But that's like the caveman. It's like a form of iconography, you know? That's a spiritual, religious, and it's also critical. It's a critical thinking was involved in them being able to figure out how to put gold leaf on a Chima buoy painting in 1200 or whatever. You know what I mean? They're, those things are all operating in the same way. But I mean, it gets back to what I was saying about art existing in a context. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. That's like what you bring to it, you get out of it. Good enough? I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks so much. And now Mario Della Penta, Italian-born artist of international renown, shares a story about his painting. Uh, composition is displayed in harmony, whatever you do. Displayed in harmony? Harmony, harmony. Uh, gracefully, you know, you want uh, like a decoration, you make a nice uh, living room that you just display the way it is. Whatever kind of a piece you can, you can display. As a matter of fact, I won the first prize in uh, one of my paintings. Actually, won the two first prize at the University of Rutgers Museum. There was an international exhibition, and they called me. I won the cooperative client. And I put this painting is, I had a mess in a, in a garage. All my tools, I had a piece of furniture, all the tools there, plies and nails. When I was looking for something, I had to remove everything. But I had a piece of plywood and I decided 
to nail, to hang the plies, the hammer, the, the, right. you know, the bottle with the jar, with the nail, things like that. I put, I, I loved it, I put it on canvas. And that painting won me the first prize, the first prize, two first prize, one in the media and one uh, an oil. My wife called me <clears throat> and got, guess what, guess what, you won two prizes and hammers and plies and nails. And I was upset. I dropped the telephone. I was so insulted, upset. Always dreamed to paint the angels, which I did. And I go win a first prize with a hammer. <laughs> and, and, and that's the truth. My wife said, Very new, happy, and I know the screaming, you understand. Until I realized people changes, arts changes. I said, This is it. And they were the judges, were art collectors teachers, journalists, all competent people in the field. But that painting, the compositions beside the color, the display of the tools all around, that is, I used it when, uh, uh, when I used to talk on stage to people how to enjoy art. Give it lectures. Lectures. I used that and the analogy of that painting, I use a symphony, and that music it takes you flying around. That the painting, that painting was the same thing. The only thing you had to look for. Now, if you look in a painting, and that painting is gonna turn you around, bring you around. If you, one of the tools would have been off, another way, it's like a symphony. A flute squeaky ruined the old symphony. That's why. That's why they've given me a prize beside the color, beside the, not for the hammer, not for the nails, but for the composition. The harmony. The, the harmony. Okay. You look when you look on a canvas, it's got to circulate in you. Otherwise, it throws you out. You're off. Does it make sense? Thanks, Mario. Great question, and one I'd like to pose to our listeners. Does it make sense? Let us know what you think. Stay tuned and we'll let you know how. Up next is our very own Brandy Boca Grandy. Take it away, Brandy. It's your favorite gal about town, Brandy Boca Grande, with all the St. Augustine arts dish to share. Can you believe it? We've made it through January. Time does fly, doesn't it, darlings? So let's not miss a single arts-related happening. Life is a cabaret. Oh! The First Coast Opera is providing a feast for the ears as well as the palate with a dinner performance of Mozart versus Salieri. The music, the intrigue, the food. Oh, it's just too delicious. Dates are Friday, February 12th at six o'clock and Saturday, February 13th at six o'clock at St. Jude's Celebration Hall, St. Anastasia Catholic Church. For ticket information, go to firstcoastopera.com. That's firstcoastopera.com. If gallery gallivanting is more your style, then by all means, darlings, check out the Faces and Figures showing at the St. Augustine Art Association, Drawing Studies, 
formal portraits. Daily life and other figurative works are presented in 2D and 3D media. That's five Ds, darlings. All works are done by fabulous local and regional artists. And as long as you're at the St. Augustine Arts Association, don't miss a very special exhibition of figure studies by female French Impressionist Marguerite Castet. C'est c'est bon, moi! The exhibit runs February 5th through the 26th. For more information, go to www.staaa.org. That's www.staaa.org. That's three A's, darlings. <laughs> darlings, if you're spending more time at home these days and Netflix is filling you with ennui, I'm here to help. Keep an eye out for local author Kurt McGill's first book of a three-book deal with publisher Pegasus Crime. Be on the lookout for Ode to a Fallen Sparrow. Oh, I do love a good mystery. If you're yearning for a poetic spin on this crazy carousel we call life, then join Ancient City Poets for their monthly Zoom poetry reading the last Sunday of the month. It's open to all. Either read a poem or just listen and enjoy. To join, go to bodor.org. That's B-O-D-O-R dot org. Darlings, if you're in the mood for some great spoken word and some live music in a beachside setting, then Brandy's got you covered. The St. Augustine Tale Tellers perform Stories Build Bridges. And if that weren't enough, local folk duo Uncle Eddie and Robin will be performing all the songs you love to sing along with. Bring a chair or a blanket to 190 Volano Road, a.k.a. Airstream Row, near the Volano Pier on February 20th at 7 p.m. General admission is $10. For more information, call 904-540-0402. That's 904-540-0402. Well, that's all from your girl, Brandy Boca Grande. So long for now, and oh, stay fabulous. Mwah! Back to you, John. Ooh, thank you, Brandy. Brandy Boca Grande, folks. Up next, fireman and featured artist at Ancient City Brewery Taproom in St. Augustine, Tom Harding. <laughs> it's like, I'm not an artist. I don't think I am. Well, why don't you think you're an artist? I don't know. Like, you know, all my friends growing up when I was in college, you know, they were all went to Flagler for art. And I was just always just a surfer bum, you know, like cook in the restaurant and just like, you know, live life to party and have fun. Right. And, but so I was like, I tried painting and it was acrylic paint and I was just like, God, this is horrible. And, uh, you know, some, but it was fun and it was relaxing and it was freeing. And it, next thing you know, I got into acrylic porn, which is, it, it's simple, but it's kind of like there's recipes and formulas to it. So it sort of like made me think about my cooking days, you know, like how to, to get the paint the right thickness and the textures and the consistency, you know, almost like a cream sauce would be. So I got in there acrylic pouring and I started doing that. And next thing you know, my friends like, this is really cool. People were like, man, can I buy that? And I'm like, what? 
you know, because when I first painted, like I, was, I had it all over my hands. I didn't even have a brush. And one of my friends was like, I hope that's not oil paint. And I'm like, I don't even know what paint it is. But it was acrylic, luckily. So the acrylic helped me explore different, because it's so easy to add mediums to it and make it act different ways. And I had, you know, a lot of my friends who were actually true artists, classically trained, I guess you would say, uh, were giving me tips and telling me to try this and that. And I guess I deliberately tried not to learn how to paint classically because I didn't want to be closed-minded on stuff. I don't have an ego to it. Like, I think it's kind of funny. People are like, you're an artist. I'm like, no, I spill paint. You know, and it's like, I don't want to be an artist. I don't want to, like categorize myself as that I'm someone who does something on their days off to put some good energy into me instead of you know and negative energy I guess comes out in it you know it's sort of um, it's a release what is art ah emotion passion anger angst nothing I mean like some people can look at something and not see anything and another person can look at something that is nothing and see everything Tell me about buying your first paint set, Tom. I was just walking through one of those stores and I saw it on sale and I got it. And when I sat home, like I looked at them, like, what am I going to do with this? Just got it out and just messed with it. I'm like, oh, that was kind of fun. Even though I just literally like made mud, you know, yellow, blue and reds and pinks. And it was like, it wasn't, there was nothing there. And then I was like, well, this is kind of cool. And I kept on doing it and I looked on YouTube and I saw, you know, a channel, but it, it made me you know, kind of about my job, you know, with being a firefighter, we definitely, sometimes you need a way to get that negative energy out, a way to come back to who you really are. Creating something with my hands and visually, like seeing what you could do, how you tilted the canvas or the wood, whatever I was pouring on and creating something. It was very cool, you know, and it was very like, it was intense and it was frustrating because you're like, I want to do this and you have it and then you move it just the wrong angle and you lose the whole process of what you were doing. So it was frustrating, but also exhilarating and something that wanted me to do it again and get better at. It made me feel like, wow, I guess I can do this, you know, even though I don't ever stand in front of a canvas or a piece of wood or whatever I'm spilling paint on, I don't ever say I'm gonna sell this. I'm saying like, I need to release this energy. And I, even the times that I try to attempt a certain painting, like I see I wanna do this, it never comes out the way I want it to. And I'm like, God, I suck. Like I messed that up completely, but somehow I see something in it and I just keep going with it. And, you know, I guess Bob Ross, there are no mistakes in art, but there are, I can tell you, I've screwed up a bunch of stuff and had to start over again. So Bob Ross was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I made a mistake, I'm like, ah, oh, that sucked, but I'm just gonna still keep at it. There are no mistakes in art. I know, yeah, there are, yeah. Darn it, I'm taking that back, I guess. <laughs> Bob Ross got me in the end. You got a scary story about something that you found maybe like in a fire or something like that that you you, you oh. rescued to paint on? No, not yet. I haven't done that yet. You know, I think painting on bodies would be kind of illegal. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> edit that. We're gonna edit that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, a banana sold for a couple million dollars in Miami. Right. But um, no, it's sort of. I try to keep. I try to keep the fire and and my art separate because you know, I'm, firefighting is definitely difficult. What we see and what we do and what what we put ourselves into, you need an escape. And I guess I found this is my escape to deal with that. We definitely see things that normal people in society don't see. And I think that's what art has helped me cope and deal with. Um, and it helps me release that. And sometimes I can see it in my work. And then sometimes it's completely opposite. I'm like, wow, I must have been having a really good day that day. It's not dark. It's not, you know, it's, it's happy. It's giggly. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that's powerful to me. But once again, somebody can look at that and be like, oh, that's really pretty. I'm like, it's not supposed to be pretty. You know, you know, it's just supposed to be dark and anger and, you know, and stuff. But once again, it goes back to the white wall with the black stripe. You see what you want and you make it what you want. And I think it all goes back to how you're feeling at that moment when you look or hear something. Oh, geez, deep. <laughs> uh, I snorted. Take the snort off. Shit. <laughs> I just try to do it and I learn by mistakes and like now I'm really getting into textures and and depth and thickness. I guess that's what I'm going through right now. Like, you know, just the thickness of life and, and depth and looking at myself and looking at the different levels I'm in, if that makes sense, you know? So I'm sorta I'm trying to paint like that. And is I have fun. It is fun. It's fun and frustrating, just like life. <laughs> you know? You know, I don't know what to charge for art. You can have a white wall and put a black stripe on it and somebody's gonna come up and be like, they messed up that wall. And someone's gonna come up and be like, that's a masterpiece. I try to keep, you know, keep it simple and, you know, just have fun with it. I'm never gonna be rich, although I'm gonna be rich with happiness, hopefully, which is to me more importantly than materialistic stuff. What do you think the value of art to the society is? Oh, it's everything. I mean, it's even cavemen started drawing on walls in the caves, you know, and they started using a stick to make music. I mean, even our language is music. You know, you listen to different languages and I'm, it's music and that's how it should be. Well, what's the value of your art to the community? Take up space on your wall? <laughs> I don't know. What my value for the community is, I don't know. Maybe just hope, laughter, fun, someone actually enjoys it. Someone feels something out of them. Like they can see something I don't see and they appreciate it. And that would be, I guess, the best way is like I can bring something out of a person that they didn't know that they wanted or saw. That is one thing with art scene, it's so funny. People are so obnoxious and stuck up about it and I'm not I, because we are all here to enjoy art but I think people get stuck in the turtleneck pinky in the air wine glass art that they forget that simplicity is where it all started from you know and it's like cavemen drawing on a wall and we're still fascinated when somebody finds a cave and there's a new sketching you know a stick figure 
in a fire. They're like, look what we just found from blah, 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 blah. And that's how I feel about it, you know. All right, well, thanks, man. It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you coming. Hopefully, I didn't mess it up too much. Up next is our quote of the month featuring listener Patricia Davis. Patricia is a retired middle school teacher, a haiku poet, and an artist. And she says, quote, here's my two cents. Art is a conversation with yourself. Art is a process and a product. An artist is like the translator of something he or she is moved to share in some form. Poem, illustration, painting, dance, photo, film, design, bonsai, flower arranging, dot, dot, dot. Here's another thought. Who has the right to say whether or not one thing is art and another is not? I have a broad definition of art, that it's a form of personal expression. Thank you for that, Patricia. We'd like to know what you think. Let us know at risingtideproductions158.com, risingtideproductions158.com, or you can get a hold of us on our Facebook page, Rising Tide Productions 158 and who knows, maybe you'll be featured in an upcoming episode. I'd like to thank Sonic Pistolero for the music, Corey Michael Smithson for still photography, Diffusion Productions for their drone footage, the Beach Art Studio for the use of its beautiful space, Jen Latka and Amy Lauer-Golden for the news. I'm John, and on behalf of our producer and editor, Heather Eggleston, we appreciate you listening.